Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Syrupcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, the Syrupcast is a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website, which we look back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. This is episode 189. We're recording it on Thursday, January 17th, 2019. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic. Apologies if you missed us last Thursday. It was a busy week with CES 2019. Put things in perspective, during this year's CS, Mobile Sierra published the most stories we've ever published in a single week. Ta-da! Joining uh, us this week, we have, fresh from his first CS, uh, Mobile Sierra Managing Editor, Patrick O'Rourke. Patrick, how are you? Good. I've I've recovered from my uh, initial CES liftoff. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So joining us is Mobile Sierra Freelance Contributor, Ted Kritsonis. Ted, thank you again for joining us. Good to be here again. So soon, too. So soon, I know. Um, So let's start with the obvious. How was everyone's CS? Highlights, lowlights, midlights? Well, I know Pat is the rookie here, uh, whereas I'm the grizzled vet. This is my 14th show. Um, It it was good. I I think all, all in all, it was good. Some of the things were predictable. Some of the things I think were interesting, especially starting with the automotive side which uh, this show really should become part of the auto show circuit hmm. uh, just based on everything they're showing. But I think there was some other cool stuff that was there too. Uh, now, Pat, I'm interested in his perspective because this was his first time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pat, what'd you think? Uh, I, I think it was pretty much what I expected. I mean, it was very, very similar to other trade shows that I've covered. Like I've, I've done MWC a couple of times. Um, E3, it was very similar to that. I think the one thing that um, surprised me and... I, it shouldn't have because everybody told me this was the case is just the scale of it um it's huge it's massive it's bigger than anything that i've ever um attended before uh and also what i found frustrating was just the layout is incredibly incredibly confusing uh, i spent a lot of my time just trying to find things not necessarily lost like i knew where i was but i didn't know how to get to where i needed to go if that makes any sense um, so that was yeah. a little shocking. And I think going into it, I also didn't realize that there's two different, like two basically completely different venues, the Sands Expo and then the Las Vegas Convention Center. For some reason in my brain, even though I had looked at them on a map, I thought that they were connected, but they really weren't. <laughs> um, so that, that was my general impression of sort of the, the experience of covering the show. Yeah, logistics. Mm. Okay, this is the number one challenge, Igor. Mm-hmm. Let's see, yes. Is to get to where you need to go, okay? The number one thing. It's the biggest challenge we have. And and you know what? I don't blame Pat. I mean, I think the first time is always uh, the hardest when you're trying to do that show because you're trying to you're you're trying to squeeze in so much to cover, and it's hard to even get to what you need to get to. Mm -hmm. And and he's just talking about two venues. There's actually more than two Mm -hmm. technically at the Mm -hmm. show. There's like four, 
but the other two don't really apply to what we cover, right? Because mm-hmm. at the Aria, they have like marketing stuff, like it's more for marketing people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was there was a lot there, and I mean, even the sands alone, where all the startups were, that section alone it would take a day mm-hmm. to cover, right? And it's a four day show. So two observations. One, Patrick has said to me that he walked twenty kilometers uh, a day uh, yeah, at yeah, CS. Easily, so easily. yeah. If you want to lose some weight, think about the CES fitness plan. Walk 20 kilometers a day. Oh, yeah. Back super trim. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as for you, Ted, I just see that 20-yard stare where it's like, I've been through the trenches of Western <laughs> Europe again, and here I am back. Don't know how to reacclimate to civilian life. Yeah, well, CES isn't quite Vimy Ridge, but, mm. uh, you know, but I mean, it, it it's... It's a tough show when you're covering different beats mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I went to the show and I covered only automotive, mm-hmm. it'd be one thing. Mm-hmm. But because I cover other, st- other stuff too, it, it gets a little bit challenging. So I think when you're, when you're doing one beat, you, you actually, I think, can enjoy the show a little more because you're just focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do believe, and I, I can't speak for everyone, but I do believe that we, we in, the, in the media, especially when we're covering tech, we have this curiosity mm-hmm. to see what else is there got to see that bread maker oh uh, yeah yeah although apparently i didn't taste the bread but apparently the bread wasn't very good i I tried it 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 tasted like bread it it didn't taste particularly amazing or anything but it it tasted like regular bread okay there you go there you have it automation man it's gonna take all our jobs yeah folding (laughs) like like folding clothes yeah i mean a machine that folds clothes i don't know um some people may want that right um so Ted, the last time you were here, we talked about Apple, and lo and behold, we're yeah. going to be talking about Apple again, uh, because in some ways, I think Apple dominated all the headlines coming out of CS, certainly the TV-related ones. Um, they dominated a headline. A headline, but, you know, it was I mean, more so than past years. I think, you know, obviously Apple does not have a presence at CS, and this year it felt like they did in some ways. As if a ghost. They always do. I mean, yeah. certain companies that are not there always do. Like Amazon's not there. Google's mm-hmm. not there. But they, they, they are omnipresent, especially mm-hmm. Amazon and Google because of Alexa and Google Assistant. They're, mm-hmm. they're just omnipresent at the show. Apple has always been like that, too, because you always have a number of companies that are showing accessories. Yeah. And yeah, there's HomeKit. And then there's, you know, there's, there's stuff that works with their products. So mm-hmm. they are present even if they're not there officially mm-hmm. and i think the same is true of like i said google and amazon so alexa was everywhere mm-hmm. at this show uh, i mean from cars to all kinds of different gadgets or, or home appliances that are going to have this uh, nobody's going to name their kid alexa in the future <laughs> or they will uh, no i don't think so uh, I, I mean unless they unless you can choose what name to call this mm-hmm. assistant Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like you're just going to be triggering everything in your house mm-hmm. basically by saying that name. Um, but that said, what do you make of like all these TV manufacturers jumping on airplay too? Well, it's, it, it's a good move. I mean, first of all, to get content from a mobile device or computer to the TV mm. is it's a lot easier now, Like especially if you have the right hardware, if you had an Apple TV, you have a Chromecast, mm. but for a lot of people, I think it actually was challenging. Mm-hmm. especially if they didn't know that they needed that kind of hardware. But if you build it in, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's a lot easier. So those Roku TVs, for example, I think they're a good example because there are certain apps that will work mm-hmm. with, with Roku, right? So if you want to 
sort of beam Netflix from your mobile. Not that you need to because it's already in the it's already in Roku. But if you wanted to for whatever reason, you could. I actually see the AirPlay thing being big for music Mm. as well because people have pretty good speakers. In some cases, attached to their TVs, connected to the TVs, and uh, having AirPlay in there, I think it's a great move. And I like that Samsung did it too. Mm-hmm. I like that Samsung also is uh, supporting iTunes. Also, I think is a good move, but not for music. Yes, not for music. Not for music. Uh, surprisingly, I feel like of the big ones, TCL was the only one that uh, you know did not announce uh, AirPlay two. No, um, and in some ways, you know, I think. If you were to look back this past year, I, I'd say they probably sold the most TVs, right? Like of probably more than I think Samsung certainly. TCL, yeah. Just well, we don't know that. I mean, TCL yeah. was only available really in Canada for two months. Yeah, but so, you know, it was like the most like compelling black. But they did sell out. Yes, we yeah. just don't know what the volume was. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, Pat. You got to see the micro LED and rollable OLED TVs. Uh, what was that like? And I assume, uh, obviously, Ted, you took a turn to see those as well. Yes? I saw the rollable TV I, as a prototype yeah. last year. But yeah. yeah, anyway, I'll let Pat go first. Yeah, yeah they were, um, you're talking about the Samsung micro LED one, right? Like yes. the modular. Yes, modular that's TV? correct. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. I mean, the idea of being able to uh, sort of create a television to whatever aspect ratio you want it to be um, and have that be seamless where the parts just pop on and off uh, was pretty crazy to see in person. It was a big step over what I wasn't at CES last year, but I saw photos of what uh, Samsung did with their, the wall project. Um, and and you could see like spaces between the different uh, modules. And this year it just looked like a regular television. There didn't seem to be, um, I guess you'd say like any significant, downside to their micro led tech but i mean they also said that like this stuff's not going to be readily available for consumers uh for a very not not a very long time but at least a couple years right so um it's cool to get excited about this this stuff and like other things that we see at ces like this but it's also important to keep in mind that it's going to probably be a couple years before even um people with tons of money can get their hands on that type of technology because i i can see those tvs costing like uh, upwards of $5,000 even when they first come out in a couple of years. Yeah, in some ways, uh, Ted, like, it's really interesting because it. I think the rollable OLEDs and the micro-LED speak so much to the current situation in the TV industry, right? Which is where, you like, Samsung and LG are finding it really hard to compete with competitors like TCL that just make these TVs for so cheap, right? And, like, as you said last podcast, like, the margins on TVs have always been razor thin, yep. right? And so yep. this was, in a sense, their like reaction to that, which is like, well, we'll make something bigger and better, right? Yeah, yeah. so the, the micro-LED TV actually was a prototype that they showed a couple years ago mm-hmm. at CES. And that time they had these panels basically that would, it was all mechanical, so it wasn't something you could touch or you can get super close to, but basically the panels would separate and then combine to show you that they can form one image or then form separate images, you know, on their own. So it was a really interesting idea. At the time, they didn't say much about it. So now, finally, this year, they, they've come out with something that they believe will be marketable, something that they could sell to consumers and businesses, because I think there's going to be a use case there, too. I agree it's probably a couple years out, maybe more, 
and especially if we're talking about price point, it's probably even more than that because I, I, I it'll be five thousand. I, I, I think actually it could even be more than that, depending on mm-hmm. the size. Um, what we do see, I think, with and, and I'm going to just mention the rollable TV too because I, I actually was excited about that product when I saw it last year. I saw it as a prototype last year, and finally, they they're they're planning now to release it. Mm-hmm. No pricing, <laughs> so we don't know what kind of fortune it's going to cost mm-hmm. for people to buy it. Ten thousand uh, dollars. Did they say ten grand? No, that's just like I, I heard uh, some chatter on the show floor of people, um, other other media uh, and journalists, uh, expecting that it will likely cost somewhere in that range. Okay, so that's speculative. We we mm-hmm. don't know ultimately what the price is. LG hasn't said anything, but it is going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're trying now. The idea of a rollable screen it, to me is is really fascinating because if you now it needs that box as a base in order for it to be housed in. They did say that the box itself could be a speaker, a standalone speaker. So if you if you roll the TV into the box and you just want to listen to music, you can. Hmm. So that's nice. Uh, but I think we're when we get to a point where we can actually hold a display like that in hand, hmm. uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. And then put it up on a wall like a poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the future that I'm looking forward to. Or use it as a piece of paper almost. Maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe. Um, you know, one of the things I think that we were supposed to see and we did not see were any, well, there was one foldable phone, uh, <laughs> the, uh, what is it? The, the flex, Royal, the Royal, the flex, yes. flex pie. Um, yeah. pa- Pat, do you actually want to talk a bit about what it was like to use that phone? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it folded that, that was my big takeaway from it. It was cool to actually have a foldable phone in my hands and be able to play around with it. We've seen like prototypes from Samsung that no one's really been able to touch and they're sort of obscured in shadows and such. Uh, So it was cool to see a company actually have one on the show floor. Um, I wouldn't say the actual experience itself was good. Um, Android just didn't seem to be, or at least their uh, Royale skin of um, Android didn't seem to be optimized for the concept of a foldable phone. There's also this weird thing that they were doing where it was actually two phones, but you set one of the phones as the primary phone and you also have two SIMs inside it. So that made the experience even more confusing. Um, and when you expanded it, it was supposed to turn into a tablet. But I, I, I guess my big takeaway from it was like, it didn't feel, um, it didn't feel like there was a purpose for the phone folding and it didn't feel like a very good phone. And it also didn't feel Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. like a very good tablet so uh, the compromise it was just a massive compromise as far as as far as i could tell also i mean i have to say like i don't think like android is necessarily the os for this right and i mean it's shown it's been scalable in one way but in yet another way like when who's like lining up to buy android tablets anymore right like and i know obviously this is different right like um 
but you know, I th- thinking about it now, as Pat says, like an Apple foldable phone would make way more sense, right? Like because there is that ecosystem to support it in some way in terms of apps. Um, here, like you know, the question I've always had with foldable phones is like, what kind of you know, when the iPhone was first introduced and subsequently all these wonderful Android phones started coming out, that was a revelation, right? It took what was a very abstracted way of interacting with a computer and made it simpler. How does the foldable phone make that interaction simpler or refine it in a way that people want? I've always described it as like, um, so smartphones, high-end smartphones in general, they're all pretty good. Like you go out and buy one, doesn't matter what manufactured it is, you're probably going to be happy with it. Um, And in my mind, this is kind of like, uh, it's an effort by smartphone makers to come up with um, something cool that makes the phones look different to get people excited about them. Because I I honestly don't think people are really excited about phones anymore. I mean, we see that with, there's other reasons beyond excitement, but we we see that with, like Apple's sales kind of middling and and Samsung sales of of the Galaxy series middling as well. Um but I I I think one of the big things for me even basic Android things just didn't work right on the phone. Um like apps were changing orientation all over the all over the place. Certain apps I would launch just wouldn't look properly on on the phone. Um and then like sometimes they would end up stacking on top of each other. That was really strange too. Um, so, I mean, I think you're you're totally right, Igor. At least as it stands right now, uh, Android doesn't seem to be uh, the place for foldable phones, but it'll be interesting to see what Samsung does with its uh, One UI skin, if, if even uh, its foldable phone is running on One UI, to kind of make that form factor work within uh, the confines of Android. It, it could be, I mean, it could be for Android, but it would be a different company that'd have to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you'd have to like if Google did it, then it'd be different. Because Google would could be could probably work on scaling the the OS to work on that kind of a form factor, mm-hmm. uh, especially. And I think a form factor like that, you you almost need stock Android. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you can you can put some weird skins on. You can put some features in it. Don't get me wrong, but I think if you're going to skin the thing, it's got to be done in a way where really it it, it feels so minimalist that it just works because that's the thing it just when you're when you're gonna have a weird form factor like that it it has to work it has to work right away if anybody has any doubt about it early on and they're not sold you know initially i don't know i think they might uh the whole idea might just pass like a fad and we've seen many of those at ces over the Mm -hmm. years right so this could be one of those but time will tell if any other companies jump on to that sort of thing we know samsung will come out with something but mm-hmm. we'll see how different it really is. So if I could ask it you made just me, a quick... Sorry, go ahead, Pat. Sorry, it, it made me really interested to see what, what Samsung's take on a foldable phone is and, and how they're, they're um, going to handle skinning it, right? Because, I, I mean, as far as I know, Google hasn't baked in any foldable phone features uh, into Android, unless I'm wrong about that. I could be. Uh, probably Android Q, right? At the earliest. Yeah, yeah it could be coming in that. Um. The question I did want to ask you, Ted, as a follow-up to mine is, you know, in part part of the reason we saw the kind of tablet market, for lack of a better word, collapse, was that phones got bigger. Yep. Right? Um, in a world in which we have six-inch phones, <laughs> um, 
does it really make sense to have a device that can turn into a tablet, right? It's a tough question to answer because it's hard to know what every consumer wants right. and whether there's a demand for the. Mm-hmm. I think there is an interest. I, I would say that I think there is an interest in different form factors. Mm-hmm. I think there, the idea of a foldable phone that can become a tablet, that might appeal to some people. Mm-hmm. But then you got to factor in, okay, how heavy is it? How thick is it? What, what's the battery life like? What's the user experience like? All those things have to, I mean, they really have to hit it out of the park on mm-hmm. all those things, right? If you, if you really lack in any of those areas, then the product, unfortunately, will not sell itself. Mm. And so, yeah, tablets, the other thing with tablets too, and of course, which is, which is so different from phones, is how long people hold on to them. Mm-hmm. There are probably people out there with like an iPad 2. I have a mini too that I still use, right? Yeah. I mean, there probably are people who have six year old iPads and they're perfectly fine with them. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't need them for, they don't need a better tablet for anything else. So, but when you're, but for a phone, a six year old phone, not as common. Mm -hmm. So I think you you have an interesting dichotomy there that would be interesting for where this kind of form factor goes. Mm. But Samsung would Samsung would have to drive it somehow, mm-hmm. right? You need a big company like that to make the case like, hey, we think we have something viable here. Mm-hmm. And then of course it has to be priced to uh, uh, it has to be priced in a way that people can actually buy it. Right. Right? If they come up with something that's $3,000, mm, probably not going to sell too many of those. Um Ted quickly, um you're our automotive expert. Can you give us a sense of what I mean in the pre-show, you said, you know, in some sense, CS should be an extension of the automotive Absolutely, circuit. Can yeah. you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So I was surprised actually at how little 5G came up. The and, phones didn't work. And, well, yeah, <laughs> but that's that's on the that's, mobile side, right? Yes. But 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 they're on the automotive side, it's a very big deal. Yeah. As far as what kind of connectivity is going to happen for autonomous cars to be able to speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to get into the weeds here because there is kind of an HD DVD versus Blu-ray situation going on. With oh, that. do tell. So, so there's cellular vehicle to everything, mm-hmm. okay? So there, that's one standard that would rely on 5G. So mm-hmm. uh, what I'm talking about here is, quote-unquote, the language that cars would be speaking not to just to each other but also to the wider infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So cellular vehicle to everything, so CV2X, Versus DSRC, so <laughs> dig, so dedicated short way uh, short range communications. DSRC has existed since the late nineties. Cool. U.S. regulators had approved it back then. Canadian regulators followed a few years later. So Cadillac Super Cruise, for example, as a, as an autonomous mode, uses DSRC. Tesla's autopilot does not. So you you don't have uniformity right now mm-hmm. in the industry, and I think in order for 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 five G to be embraced, there has to be it has to become an industry standard. The, the industry at large, not just the automakers, but tier one suppliers, the middleware uh, providers, everybody has to be on board with that and say, okay, mm-hmm. this is what we're supporting. This is the framework we're working in. This is what we're going to do. We're not quite there yet, and I think that may have been part of the reason why five G as a narrative was not as prominent at the show. So instead we saw a lot of stuff about, okay, here's what we envision future mobility and transport to look like. We, you know, I was in a, 
I was at a couple of different demos where, for example, uh, Hyundai Mobis, where the, the windshield became a screen. Hmm. So I, I, I'm theoretically driving. I'm moving. I'm not controlling the vehicle. It's driving God me. God forbid that would be illegal. Well, you know, and, and I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. On the windshield, or you know, I'm looking at a 360 degree image that just sort of pans around the windows in the windshield. Like, you know, I'm playing a game with a passenger. It it, it, it seems bizarre because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're so far ahead. Well, it's like you have a death wish or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know why? But the idea is that you're not. You would be in a. You would be in an autonomous vehicle and would not worry. Mm-hmm. Your life would be basically in the car's hands and it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's the vision. That's the future. Uh, and then there were, you know, other unique vehicles like the Air Taxi mm-hmm. the, by Bell Nexus. And then we had a yacht on the mm-hmm. show floor, uh, which had some smart features, including its own voice assistant called Angel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Pat, One of the questions get... I had about that yacht, um, did, how did they get it in there? Like, are there giant, like... Um, airplane hangar doors somewhere that they rolled it in through absolutely yes uh so okay. the, con- the convention center does have hangar size doors uh for really large vehicles uh and 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 some installations for booths to get through okay uh so yeah yeah that that's how they got that in there they they wheeled that in there for sure through through one of those doors. I, um and that, that was that was the first thought that i had when i saw it was like how did they get this in here yeah yeah it's the only way is through the through those hangar doors i don't know exactly where they are but but they they are there. All right. On that note, unfortunately, we have to cut uh, this one short, uh, if only because we only have the room booked for another five minutes. I wish we could keep going. Uh, so usually, as we always do, we end with shout outs. Pat, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I want to send my shout out to the bread bot for being probably my favorite thing um, from CES. Uh, it's basically an automated bread system made by the Wilkinson Baking Company. Um, and it, it's not something that's going to be available to the average consumer. Like you're not going to be able to go out and buy it. They're marketing this to bakeries and grocery stores. And it's also supposed to cost uh, an insane amount of money. I think they were talking, um, yeah, over 100,000 uh, American over a five-year lease. So it looks like you can't even purchase it. You have to lease it. Uh, but it was fascinating to watch. I think I saw it at um, CES Unveiled on the show floor. Uh, and it was it was really cool. Um, it basically makes a new loaf of bread every few minutes. And it does it all within a machine. Um, yeah, that, that's my shout out. Well, I, for one, look forward to our bread baking overlords taking over the world. Me it's too. too. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Uh, I'm going to shout out to downtown Las Vegas. Okay. Okay. Uh, so most people think of the strip with all the big hotels and everything, but downtown Vegas has a different feel. And uh, for anybody visiting the city, I highly recommend spending a whole day there. Uh, there's uh, there's some cool stuff going on there. And just the vibe is very different. Uh, mm-hmm. You see some weird things, no question. Um, and the ja- the gambling is cheaper. So if you're into that, you know, and the drinks are usually cheaper too, but it's just it's a different it's a different kind of Las Vegas than mm-hmm. uh, you know than than the Strip is and also uh, wherever you go in Vegas they are they seem to be big hockey fans because I was going to ask did you see another Golden Knights find a hockey game on a TV there at oh. all I, I was watching Hockey Night in Canada like at a bar wow there so did you see another Golden Knights game this time I did not go mm-hmm. no they played three times actually while I was there they had three home games while oh, I was there but I, I did not go this time. 
Yeah, I shame. thought about it, um, but then didn't didn't have time to go. I did see a ton of people wearing Golden Knights jerseys that look like Vegas locals, uh, which I thought yep. was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's what I saw last year too. It, uh, they have embraced that team in a big way. Wow. Well, there you go. Uh, my favorite thing was that uh, the there was it, was it called the Otis? It was the um, carry on luggage that was autonomous. Oh yeah, that yeah. could drive itself yeah, around. Yeah. I'm like now this. This, sir, is innovation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was cool because I saw they showed like some of the kind of uh, image recognition that happens for it to be able to navigate. Uh, anyway, I, this thing is probably going to terrorize airports is my... I, I, I'd like to see them try and make that so that the luggage goes in front of you as opposed yes. to behind you. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, on that note, thank you so much for listening. Uh We'll catch you next week. If you want to follow us, it's at Mobile Syrup, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Teddy, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, at ByTeddyK, B-Y-Teddy-K, and, of course, on MobileSyrup.com. And uh, where can people find you, Pat? Find me on Twitter, at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke, and, of course, on MobileSyrup.com. Until next week, take it easy. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 